Hi. Wow, I'm just, look at how many of you guys are here today. Just what, for me? Oh no, there's a Vikings game and you guys gotta get to it. Is that what it is? Is that what I heard? There's like some big rivalry game happening? Okay, fine. Well, thanks for coming to church first. That's fantastic. Like David said, my name is Shauna and I am one of the associate pastors here. And I just have to say, I absolutely love my church. I love this church. I love this body of believers. And you may think, well, you work here, Shauna, so you have to love it. That's not true. I don't have to. I just do. I loved it before I worked here, and I love it even more. And um, this past Wednesday night, we had our kickoff Wednesday together, and it was so much fun, you guys. For those of you who were able to be here, we had a fantastic time. And because I love this church so much, it gave my heart such joy to be a part of this amazing night where we all came together, and we fellowshiped together, and we had dinner, and then the student ministry went off to their section and had their meeting, and then the adults broke off into either prayer or cultivate uh, adult education classes or growth groups. It was a really fantastic time. If you did not make it, um, come join us this next week. It is a powerful thing to see brothers and sisters coming together and just discussing things of the kingdom. I happened to be in a growth group, and it was so great just to hear different perspectives. What we do in those groups is we discuss the sermons, and you learn so much from one another because we're all so different, and we hear different things. And so I just encourage you to be hospitable, make space, and come on out and check out Wednesday together. It's a, it's a great time. So like David said also, we are in our second week of our hospitality series, and um, we feel like this is very important, which is why we're spending a few weeks on it. We could easily tell you, hey, we're kingdom people, we want to follow the things of Jesus, and so go out and love others and be hospitable and let it be that, let it sit there. But we think it's so important that we feel like we need to spend some time to dive in what it really looks like and what it really means to be uh, kingdom people who practice kingdom hospitality. So this is what we know. We know that we are called to welcome others. And we know that we are called to make space for others. And we know that as Jesus people, part of our job, one of our most important jobs is to declare that all are welcome. All are welcome. And so that is one of the reasons why we feel like this is so very important that we want to take a few weeks to look at this particular subject. This week, we're going to look at what it means for us to make space for God in our lives. And so the title of this sermon is Make Your Home in Me. And hopefully, as we go through the sermon, you'll understand exactly what that means. We know that hospitality is an important state of our, is not just a state of our mind, but it's a condition of our heart. It's something that we've got to get on the inside of us. And it's just a natural outflow of the love of Jesus that lives within us. We know before we get into um, making his home in us today, we're going to look, take a look back. We need to reflect back on some things that we learned last week. We know that God is hospitable. We know that that is his very nature. We know that when we come to him, we find love and care and sustenance and freedom and forgiveness. One of my favorite psalms says, he is the father of orphans and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God gives the desolate a home to live in. He leads out the prisoners in prosperity. 
Hospitality, making space for others, inviting others in is the core of who God is. It is at his very core. And because of that, we know that it's super important to him, that it's a top priority of his, because as we learned last week, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was huge. It was a huge number. It was really sad that there were a huge number of people who considered themselves to be lonely, who consider themselves to be isolated, who don't feel like they have a place where they belong. And because of that, our culture and our environment and our world, we just continue to isolate from one another. We continue to retreat away from one another. And in that, we begin to fear others that we don't understand. We begin to fear others that aren't like us. That word is called xenophobia. But as kingdom people, we are called to stomp that out and say that is not the way of the kingdom, that is not the way of God. And we are to replace xenophobia with philoxenia, which means the love of strangers. We replace the fear of strangers for the love of strangers. One of the things that we are doing in this series is we are encouraging you all that as you listen to the sermons and hopefully as you reflect throughout your week, you will tweet about it or you'll post something on social media. And one of the uh, tweets I saw this week that really stood out to me and I thought fit this point so perfectly said this. It said, we are called to radical hospitality because that is who God is, his essence. We cannot be of him and embrace xenophobia, the fear of the other. And that hashtag is WHU before me. It is the essence of who God is, and we cannot embrace him and be afraid to embrace others. So we need to be treating all as recipients of his divine love, because we are all recipients of his divine love. We are called to walk out and live out and practice this radical kingdom hospitality because that is what God has done for us. Throughout history, God has shown himself to be radically hospitable toward us, consistently making space for us, forever inviting us in to relationship with him. We see this in creation, where he sought to create a faithful covenant partner. And then throughout the Old Testament, scriptures after scriptures and stories after stories, we see where God is continually trying to make covenant with his people, trying to make space for them and trying to invite them in. He did it through Noah, and that was rejected. And he did it through Abraham, and that was also rejected. Even to the nation Israel, he tried to make space and invite them in and have covenant through, their, through the servant Moses, and that was rejected. King David... He tried again with King David, and that again was rejected. And ultimately, it leads us to the cross, where we see the ultimate pouring out of God of himself. We see Jesus Christ giving of himself in the ultimate way, so that once and for all, all would be welcomed in. No exceptions. All would be welcomed in. And he became victorious. He became victorious through what he did for us on the cross. It was the ultimate invitation for you and for me and for those who will forever exist to come to him, to have relationship with him, to commune with him, to have that love with him. He promises us an eternal home and a place of belonging. So for all of those who may feel like they're alone, and for all of those who may feel that they're excluded or feel like they're lonely or don't have a place, we have a place with Jesus. We have a home and we have belonging. 
through this ultimate gift on the cross, we are made beneficiaries of his radical kingdom hospitality. The gospel, you guys, is hope for all who are wandering, for all who are lost, for all who feel forsaken. The gospel is for all. The invitation is for all. The space that he has made is for all of us. And last week, Greg introduced us to this term, and I'm sure you guys found yourself just using this particular word left and right in your conversations. Um, It was perichoresis, remember that? I'm fairly certain that as you were talking to one another throughout the week, that just word just came up left and right, and you're just using it. It means mutual indwelling. It's a picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and their community with one another, their, their holy commune with one another. It's a beautiful dance where they love one another and give of one another and receive from one another, and it's just this ongoing, beautiful, spiritual dance. And we are invited to join into that. When God makes space for us, he is inviting us into that beautiful, holy communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We learn how to love him in return because of his love for us. And we begin to give back to him of the things that he's given to us. And in that process, we begin to be filled with his Holy Spirit. The very essence, the presence of God begins to fill our hearts, fill our lives, renew our minds. It's a beautiful thing. It's so important, you guys, to, be, to realize and to remember this filling of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we need daily in our lives. Because when we talk about hospitality, we can't just simply think we've learned something new and then try to make our minds think new ways and then therefore try to act differently towards those that we're not comfortable around or those we've maybe feared or those we don't know or people who we think grate our nerves. It's not enough just to, to get it right in our minds. We need to reposition our hearts. We need to reposition our hearts and our souls and open ourselves up to the Spirit of God. Because if we're going to truly be open to others, we've got to first learn to be open to God. We got to first learn to be open to God and to remain open before Him. If you look throughout the New Testament, There is a theme that is ongoing, and that is is when he talks about the people of God, the church, we are referred to as his temple. So when we come together here, we are the church. The people of God coming together, we are the church. We are his temple. But that also means us individually. We are the temple where God dwells. We are where his Holy Spirit comes and fills us. In 1 Corinthians, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? So we know that we are his temple. The church is the people of God. Yes, we come to a building, but really, the way God moves, the way God loves, the way God restores, the way God sets others free is through his people, through his church. The temple also known as a tabernacle, was a space specifically created for God to dwell. Throughout the Old Testament, his people would create these tabernacles, these temples, and that was specifically set apart, set aside as God's dwelling place. That's where people would go to meet God. And what we know from Scripture is, is that place, that dwelling place is within us. 
The word sanctuary, which is just another word for church, another word for temple or tabernacle, it means to abode. And abode means to dwell, to habitate. It's a, it's a dwelling, it's a habitation, it's an extended stay. And so what I think we are supposed to learn from that today is that when we come together and we experience God's presence, we know that we are his temple, that we are his tabernacle, that his spirit is dwelling within us. We take that with us when we leave, when we walk through those doors, because God doesn't desire just to visit us on a Sunday. He wants an extended stay. He wants our hearts, our souls, our lives to be an abode, a dwelling place for him where he can camp out. The mark of God's people is God's presence. When you come across someone, you should be able to, and you will be able to sense God's presence because that's the mark of his people. And that doesn't just happen in church. It can happen anywhere at the grocery store when you're at the park with your kids or when you're, you know, throwing strikes with your bowling league, like you can encounter other people who have God's presence. That is the mark of his people. After um, Scott and I got married, I got to uh, meet and encounter one of his uncles who was one of his favorite uncles, Uncle Wimpy. Now, Scott's from a small town in Texas. He grew up on a farm. So Uncle Wimpy, yep, that was his name. Uncle Wimpy was the most loving, caring, generous man I think I'd ever met. And I'd met him later in life. And he had always been a servant. He had always just made space and welcomed others. He had never met a stranger. Uncle Wimpy never held high position. He never um, did anything like official within the community, but he was known throughout the community as a caring and loving man. In the church, he served in the nursery because he just loved kids and he loved to welcome kids and he wanted parents to feel like they could go and, and go into the service and he'd be there taking care of his kids. He couldn't serve an official position in the church because he had experienced a divorce early in his life, so the church didn't allow that, but he served in every way that he could to make sure that he would welcome others. In his later stages of life, he decided he wanted to drive a school bus just because he just thought, you know what, those kids, they need someone joyful and loving and caring to take them to school and to bring them home, not some cranky old bus driver. And so when those kids saw that Wimpy was their bus driver, they were so excited. They loved it because he had a way of just welcoming them in, welcoming them in. The love of Jesus would just pour through this man like I had never seen or never known before. The parents of these kids just loved the fact that their children were going to be on his bus. And around, when he was in his 70s, um, Scott and I had been married for five years, and Uncle Wimpy suddenly um, passed away. And we went, of course, um, to his funeral in Scott's hometown. And this man, who never held a position of importance, who never, you know, was famous or did any, he didn't have a ton of money, it wasn't about that. He was just a loving, caring man who always made space and room for others. This man, this farmer, who no one of anyone should know, this man had thousands and thousands of people attend his funeral service. There were children at his service that were so sad because Wimpy had gone to be with the Lord. God's people will exude God's presence. It will be evident in your love for one another. It will be evident in the way that you greet one another and welcome one another and you aren't afraid of one another. There's a verse in 1 Peter 
that talks about how we are called to come together to be the holy priesthood of God because we are his temple. It says, come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is us, you guys. Just take a moment and and reflect on this verse. This verse is talking about us. First, it's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the fact that he is a living stone. He is alive and well. Yes, he died on the cross. He sacrificed himself and he was buried, but we all know the next part of the story, right? He arose and he is forever victorious. Jesus Christ is a living stone and the invitation is for us to come to him. Another thing that stood out to me in this verse was when um, it talked about this living stone that was rejected, rejected. The imagery here is when um, people would build uh, structures back then and they had to use stone because that's, that's what they used. Um, they would examine the stones to see if the stone was worthy, to see if the stone would do the job that it needed, that it needed to be done. They would examine the stone to see if it was a sound stone that could fit into the structure and help build the structure. And this, the imagery in this verse is saying Jesus was rejected, like not seen as good enough. And I think some of us can relate to that too, right? We think we want to come to him. We think we want to be a dwelling place for him, but we, we've, we see ourselves as not good enough, not stable enough, not ready to receive what God has for us. We feel rejected. And yet God says, no, I choose that stone because it is precious. Jesus was a precious stone. And because of his life that we receive in us, we too are precious stones in God's sight. And we are being built up. We are being built up into this beautiful, holy priesthood where the Spirit of God dwells. And I'm here to tell you that there are no exclusions to this. That includes every single one of you here. That includes me. That includes all of us. We are all chosen to be these beautiful, precious stones. God sees us and he chooses us. And we're being built into his spiritual house. The dwelling place of God in the spirit. The dwelling place of God in the spirit is going to happen within us. It's going to happen within us. And when we allow his spirit to come alive in us, and when we invite him and we make space for him, for his spirit to be alive in us, that is where we will get the strength to live out our true calling. That is where we will get the strength to live out and be the kingdom people that he's called us to be. That is where we will truly know what it means to love others. To, to, to accept others, to make space for others, to bless others and pray for others through that Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And so we know we've got to make space for God in our lives. We are his hosts. We get to invite him in. He desires to dwell within us. And that is such a cool thing. Picture that for a moment. God of all creation. God who spoke and things came into existence. The powerful, all-loving God desires to reside in you, in each of us, in me. So many times, though, things get in the way. 
Things get in the way. Maybe we feel like our dwelling place isn't ready. Maybe we haven't set ourselves apart. Maybe we feel like, like we talked about with that stone, that we're just not quite up to snuff to be a dwelling place for God. Let's take a peek at what Romans chapter 12 has to say. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I know we read this verse, and maybe you've come across it before, and, and that further makes you go, yep, I believe that, but that, what that says to me is, is I've got to get all my stuff straight. I've got to get all the things that are wrong in my life corrected so that God can dwell within me. And let me just say, if you do have things in your life that you know are a stumbling block, if you do have things in your life that you know um, cause you to feel isolated from God, I encourage you to, to take care of that. Get prayer for that. Go to your community and, and have them pray for you or our prayer team here or attend a class. Just do, do, give that to God and let him deal with that. But I don't think that's all that this verse means. I don't think that's it. I don't think it's just the obvious things. Because I think also what happens is many times we come together here, right? We can feel God's presence here. We know that we're going to worship and we know that we're going to pray and we know we're going to hear something from his word. And it's easier to sense his presence here and to feel like we are his temple here. But then we go through those doors and we get in our cars in the parking lot and then we go about our daily lives and we don't expect God to show up there. We leave here and think that somehow we've left his presence here. It's not out there. So many times we live as though God is not with us in each moment, each moment of our lives. And so because I wanted to point that out, I decided to pull up this other version of Romans that I thought was really cool. It's that same verse, but it just says it a little differently, and it speaks to what we're talking about now. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I love this verse because it just breaks it down. It says your everyday life, your everyday life, when you're at the grocery store, when you're at work, when you're in traffic and that person cuts you off, your everyday, God is present in those times. God is not just reside here. We are his temple. So then when we leave here, we take his presence with us. And we need to recognize it and we need to live as such. He is with us at all times. Everywhere we go, his presence goes. We expect him here. We need to also expect him everywhere else. I want to tell you a story about a man that I read about. He is a man that was born in the 17th century. He was, a, he was born into poverty. poverty. 
at the age of 18, this man had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever at the age of 18. And so he began to follow the Lord and love the Lord and learn all he could about the Lord. And he did various things in his life because, again, he didn't have much money. Um, and he, he kind of was a servant and he just worked different odd jobs and stuff. And then at the age of 55, this man joined a monastery and became known as Brother Lawrence. Now, Brother Lawrence loved his job in the monastery, and Brother Lawrence loved Jesus and had such an unwavering faith in Jesus and in the things of God that he became pretty famous around not just the monastery and the community around the monastery, but across the city and the country where he lived, which was France. He became known as a man of great faith, a man that just exuded the presence and peace of God. And so people would come and talk to him and come and pray with him just to experience um, and get a taste of some of that faith and that peace and that presence of God. So much so that much after his death, a lot of the words of that, wisdom that he shared and a lot of his writings, um, a lot of his prayers were written into a book that has become a Christian classic. Now, Brother Lawrence was a monk, and he did live in a monastery, but he wasn't a high-ranking monk. Brother Lawrence was super influential, but he didn't, you know, deliver sacraments. He didn't give out sermons or anything like that. Brother Lawrence actually served in the kitchen. Brother Lawrence scrubbed pots and pans for the others in the monastery. Brother Lawrence literally peeled potatoes that would be prepared for the meal. And it was in those mundane tasks of scrubbing pots and pans and peeling potatoes that Brother Lawrence would seek the presence of God, that his faith would be stirred, that he would pray for his brothers that he knew would come and talk to him, that he would seek what God had for him in those mundane moments. He became so full of the peace and presence of God, all while doing a mundane task of cleaning in the kitchen, serving in the kitchen, kitchen, serving others. He mastered the art of expecting God's presence, even in the mundane. And the same can be said for us. I think that's what God desires for us to realize is that you don't have to hold a high position. No. You are called to carry his presence. You are called to be his temple, the place where his spirit dwells. But it's not going to come naturally. It's not going to become easy to recognize in every moment of our life that God's presence is with us. We've got to change our thinking a little bit. The life of unbroken fellowship is not automatic and it's not effortless. So we have tools that we can use to awaken our souls to see God. We have things that we can cultivate to help us to recognize God's presence with us when we're out and about in the world in our everyday lives. We're going to give you some practical ways to do this because we want you to not just hear these sermons, but we want you to begin to really take them in and begin to live them out in your daily lives all week long, all month long, all year long. And so one of the ways in which we can begin to cultivate a practice of recognizing God's presence in our lives every day is found in Greg's, one of Greg's book, which is called Present Perfect. 
And if you want to read the book, you can. It's out in the Resource Center. But there's a quote on page 41 that I found super helpful. And I think it really helps us with the practicality of what it means um, to help us recognize God's presence in our daily lives. He explains it like this. It helps to embed little reminders in your environment that will bring you back to an awareness of God in the present moment. Try posting sticky notes in places that you'll see throughout the day. Try associating the practice of God's presence with a piece of jewelry that you wear or a stone or cross that you carry in your pocket. A friend of mine wears a rubber band around his wrist to help him to remember to stay awake to the things of God. If you work at a computer, set up an automatic reminder in your calendar each hour or half hour. Think about your environment and your routine and imagine all the ways you could slip little reminders into the nooks and crannies of your life. Before you know it, you'll be finding your mind turning toward Jesus more and more. The point is to begin in simple ways. If you're not one that fully realizes and lives out the reality that God is alive in you, his presence dwells in you, and he does that at every moment in our life, then we need to begin in simple, practical ways. If you're a teacher and you find yourself in the classroom and the school bell rings every so often throughout the day, let that be a reminder that God's presence is with you. And you might need it because sometimes those kids can get a little rowdy. And you need to know God's presence is with you in that moment. If you're a cashier at a bank or at a grocery store, every time someone slips you a 20 to pay for something, just let that be a reminder that God's presence is with you in this very moment. If you wait tables, maybe every time you fill a person's glass, that can be a reminder to you that God's presence is with you in that moment. If you stay home and take care of children, God's presence is absolutely with you in that moment moment. If you are someone at the stage of your life that you're in, you're maybe caring for elderly parents, let there be daily reminders that God's presence is with you in that moment. When you're caring for them, God is caring for you. His presence is right there with you. It doesn't matter your station in life or what kind of job you have or don't have, whether you're waiting for the bus or you drive the bus, whether you clean toilets, sweep the streets, or you're a CEO of a company. There are moments throughout the day that you can be awakened to remember that God's presence is there. If you're like Brother Lawrence and you find yourself peeling potatoes and washing pots and pans, you can be assured to know that his presence is there and we can experience his holy communion. Another tool that we're providing during this series is called Lectio Divina. And we have these brochures and we handed them out last week and we have more at the Hello Desk. And through this, it's just a way of taking the scriptures that we're focusing on every week and really ruminating on them and letting them resonate in your heart. Not just, you know, as a quick Bible study, okay, yep, I read my scripture for the day and checking that off of our daily task list, but it's really taking time to sit with scripture and to hear what God is saying to you. Because if we need to be reminded and awakened to the fact that his presence is with us at all times, we need to do things that are going to help us remember that. And so with Lectio Divina, all you do is you read a verse. You read the passage and you just think to, your, think to yourself, what stands out to you? And then whatever stands out to you, you begin to reflect on that point. Think about it, reflect on it, get it really deep in your heart. 
And then you pray the point of what stood out to you from the verse. And then you wait, and sometimes that's the hardest part for us because we like to be busy. You wait and you see and see what you sense the Spirit of God saying to you. This is a way to train yourself to actively seek the presence of God where you are. So that's another way in which you can do it. You can practice the divine reading. You know what? We're all made in different ways. None of us are alike. We come from different backgrounds, different cultures. We're wired differently. We think differently. And the point is, is God loves you and created you, so he knows how you're wired. So however you best connect to God, he will meet you in that place. Maybe you are one that loves nature, and that's where you feel like you connect most to God. That's great. Then make space in your, in your life to spend time in nature. Whether you go for a, like to go for a run or a walk or a, a rollerblade or a bicycle, what a, if, if physical activity makes you feel connected to God, then do that. Make space in your life for that. It doesn't matter what it is that you do. Maybe you like to journal. Maybe that's the way in which you connect to God. Well, let him meet you in that place. Or maybe you are one that really, really enjoys just dedicated prayer time. Then spend that time with him and allow his presence to come alive for you in that. And let me just say, if you're new to prayer, this is just a side note, I just want to encourage you that whatever you have to say to God is acceptable to him. He loves it. You don't have to get your words just right. You don't have to say phrases just perfectly. You can just come before him and share your heart with him, and you will experience the presence of God in a unique and special way. It's just like if you've ever had a kid draw you something in, in uh, school or back in church and they bring it to you. You just accept it and you love it and you relish in it. You don't like critique their art style. You don't critique their shading or their color choice or not staying in the lines. No, you just receive it as a gift. And that's what God does for us. When we come to him in prayer, he just receives our words as a gift. It's special. There's a psalm that says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. There is nowhere we could go. There is nowhere we could flee that we would be outside of the presence of God because he's with us and he dwells within us. And that's a beautiful promise that we have. The way I most connect is through worship. Um, that's just the way I'm wired. Several months ago, I've shared this before, several months ago I had um, a question that I just, it was bothering me. It was just something that, um, was heavy on my heart, and I would try to pray about it, and I just would, the enemy would get involved in my thoughts and just say, you know what, that's just, God has got greater things to worry about than this issue for you, Shauna. And so I remember it was on an Ash Wednesday service here at the church, and we came, and Lauren and the Echo Worship um, Band were leading us in worship, and they sang this song that really touched my heart, and I've talked about it before, and if you know me, you're like, yeah, Shauna, we get it. You love this song enough already, but I got to say that this song really touched my heart in that moment, but not just in that moment. It would be several weeks later when I was driving in my car and again wrestling with this thing in my life and um, really feeling like this was not something that maybe God was paying attention to with all the things going on in our world today and all the people with great needs. This just didn't seem like a high priority, but it was heavy on my heart. And this song came back up, and I sensed God's presence. This song, and especially the part where it said that there is no mountain that he wouldn't climb up to come after me. And I began to think about that. 
And let me tell you, it's not because I'm a hiker. Like, I barely will walk the block, okay? I'm not like, <laughs> that's not my thing. That's not why this stood out to me. What stood out to me was just the imagery of this grand mountain and the fact that if I were up there, there is nothing he wouldn't do to climb that mountain to come for me. Just like if any of my kids or my husband or any of my friends or anyone that I loved were stuck up there, there is nothing I wouldn't do to get up to them. And so however insignificant what was on my heart felt, God was there and he was coming after me to tend to that because of his love for me. That's how I connect with him and that's how I felt his presence. And I don't know what it is for you, but I encourage you to, to discover what it is for you that helps you to connect to God. And then begin to practice that daily in your lives. Make space for that. We're going to give you some homework again this week. Uh, this week's scripture you can find on the back of your bulletin. It's one that we talked about today. It's 1 Peter 2, chapters four and, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So we encourage you to read that, pray on that, meditate on that, see what God has to say to you in that. Um, if you need more of those Lectio Divina guides, they're out at the Hello Desk. And we also want to encourage you to use the hashtag WHUBeforeMe as you're going through these things because you never know if you post something, well, we're, we are going to see it, and we, we do want to talk about the ones that stood out to us, but you never know how you're blessing and encouraging someone else, how you are helping someone else experience God's presence in a fresh and new way. So we are checking all of our social sites, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Twitter, if you want to go on there. Now, as we close, I'm going to invite the prayer team up, and I encourage you to meet God's presence right where you are today. Give him over the things that you feel like are hindering you or in your way right now today. Our prayer team have gone before God, and they are ready to connect with you and agree with you in prayer, so I encourage you to come to them. But before we leave, I just want to just say a closing prayer over you guys. So if you would, just give me a moment longer. Just close your eyes and receive this blessing prayer. May you go through all the activities of your days in joyful awareness of God's presence with whispered prayers of praise and adoration flowing continuously from your hearts. May you sense his love. May you relish in his love. May you live in his love each day. Amen. Amen, you guys. If you need to, come forward for prayer. Otherwise, go out and take his presence with you.